Thanks for tuning in to the Organically Blunt Show, a show dedicated to cannabis and the lifestyle that surrounds it, including cultivation, business, music, food, and everything in between. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and follow us. The content on this show is strictly for educational purposes only. Some things on this show may be considered harmful to some. Organically Blunt does not endorse any harmful activity. If you're not 18 or older, please exit now. This episode is brought to you by Horticulture Lighting Group. The future of horticulture lighting has arrived. Shop the highest yield generating LED lamps in the world. Real efficiency, real yields, made in the USA. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Organically Blunt Show. I'm Jay Blaze, your host. With my co-hosts. Squints back in the building. And Twiggy. How's everybody doing this weekend? I can't complain, man. Good. This weekend was good. We have a special guest, as everybody can tell tonight. Nat from Humboldt Seed Company. I'd like to get everybody just to give him a warm welcome. Welcome to the show, Nat. How's everybody going out there? Oh, we're doing just fine. You know, living the California dream out here somewhat still (laughs) (laughs) definitely definitely for our audience that doesn't know what humboldt seed company is in a nutshell is there a way you could bring them up to speed sure um so humboldt seed company i founded humboldt seed company in, in 2001 and basically you know i never really sat back and thought like oh i want to start a business and make cannabis seeds it was very you know, organic, sure. so to speak. Definitely. Um, I, I came out here in the mid nineties as a teenager and, uh, started, you know, helping people to grow cannabis, growing my own shortly thereafter. And then by the late nineties, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, boy, it's really a good idea to have your own genetics, you know, just to be sort of self-sufficient and, and self-reliant and so you know because it was you couldn't go down to the neighborhood clone nursery or or a dispensary there was no such thing really so right you, know, you couldn't get seeds you couldn't it was much harder to figure out how to you were gonna you know have a dependable way to start your grow season the next year and so that was like the first thing that came to my mind was like i'm gonna just figure out how to how to make make my own babies and um so of course, you know, got some advice from some local legends here Definitely. and um got seeds from those local legends. A lot of it at the time didn't even have strain names. I mean there was hardly strain names much back then. It was more like you know, we called one Oregon Purple. <laughs> and you know, there was another right. one that I was I always thought it was crazy. There was one that was called Salmon Creek Big Butt. I've heard of you guys Creek. that. I've I've heard that through through the grapevine. Yeah. And Salmon Creek is this, you know, beautiful place in, in Humboldt County. It's it's a watershed, as we call it. Um, a big creek that goes into the Yale River. And you know, there's a lot of butt up there. A lot of weed gets grown up there. And I can say that openly now because you know, it's, it's legal or licensed, um, which, you know, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do or that's a lot of fun or anything, but, but at least it is legal. Um, Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, and just to touch on that tip a little bit, you know, I heard the Moore act just passed through another step. So we're that much closer. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to pass the Senate, but I don't um, think so neither. No. But anyway, the uh, I always thought it was wild to name a strain after back then. It was crazy to name a strain after your little, you know, basically like your little neighborhood because, you know, anytime there were so many pounds that were coming from anywhere that had Salmon Creek Big Bud written on the bag, and you know, some 
cop somewhere finds a hundred pounds in the back of a, you know, some car on highway 80 and they're like, where'd you get that? Yeah. Let's let's go, let's go check this salmon Creek place out. You know, I always thought it was kind of wild. That's insane. But yeah, no strange, not many strange names back then, except for the, you know, kind of like the place that it came from was, was common. I mean, we had like train wreck. That was the one that was always around in Arcata, but no such thing as OG Kush and none of the classics were even around yet. Hardly even had sour diesel. Chemdog had just become a thing, um, really. And, okay. but anyway, you know, those, that's just like a bit of, of Humboldt history. And, and I just kind of, you know, loved breed. I, I decided that I really enjoyed this whole thing of breeding. And I mean, I, I didn't even think of it as breeding yet at the time. It was just, but it was, cause I was certainly taking the very best things that I definitely, you know, grew and what I enjoyed growing the most the year before. And I would use those seeds and, um, before I knew it, basically I was kind of this go-to guy for the neighborhood <laughs> to go and, and pick up seeds. Cause you know, if you're going to be doing, it's a project in and of itself to like isolate pollen and, and everybody back then it was, you know, weed cannabis was so valuable that, you know, the risk of pollinating your crop, I think deterred so many people from ever trying it because it was just like, you know, you had a, a lot to lose if you, if you seeded your crop. And I don't know, I just kind of, after trying it and figuring out that there are fairly, you know, I don't want to say easy, but there's like logical ways to deal with the pollen that, you know, make it so you don't really have to have those concerns about ruining your whole crop right but anyway i i was the one who was doing it already so everybody was just like yeah he's gonna have them and <laughs> girlfriend at the time was like you know basically like you gotta stop telling people that you know when they come to get the seeds because it would be in january and february and march there'd be you okay. know somebody every other night sure. every other night somebody come rolling up the driveway and and they'd i'd always just be like yeah come on up get some seeds and uh they're like can i pay you and i'd be like nah just you know whatever just bring like bring a six-pack we'll hang out and she was like dude you're getting a big old beer gut and you know you're spending all your nights drinking with the neighborhood guy you know all the different neighborhood people and and you should just take the money when they offer you money, take the fucking money. <laughs> and so that was basically how <laughs> that was, that was how the company was born. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to that one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and I guess, you know, like it was good because it didn't seem to help with the beer gut. Like that's still here, but you know, I, we, I started thinking of it a little bit more of uh, as a, like something that actually could be a business. And it was, it was confirmed too that people like, you know, that it was a service because, you know, I've always thought the only way business makes sense is if you're doing something that people really, really want, you know, like they right. really want you to help them. And, you know, I never understood, like, I don't know how people do the, I feel bad because I know some people just don't have a choice, but like, how do you do like the phone solicitor calls where it's like, Oh, that's gotta be a terrible job. (laughs) It's gotta be a terrible job. Cause you know, like you're, you're not doing anybody any favors, you know? And, and you read the same thing every day. I mean, Oh, that's the repetitiveness. This has to be so annoying. You're reading the same skit every call. And then you got people like me that are be like, Hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. Just stop before you get into it. That's how I am. And then they're like, what, what, what? And then I, I totally slipped their mind of what they're doing. And then they'll be like, um, what was I selling? And I'm like, have a good day. I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I always like the thing that uh, I was like on Seinfeld or something where he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to get my auto warranty. 
then he's like, can I have your home number and I'll just call you back tomorrow. I'm really busy right now. And the guy's like, well, I'm not allowed to share my home number. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, why not? And he's like, well, I wouldn't want you to have my home number. And then he's like, yeah, and I don't want you to have mine either. Click. <laughs> he just hangs up. <laughs> wow. That, yeah. That, that show's That's epic. Cool. Man, I ain't seen that show in a long time. Of course, I just, uh, I just got TV after like six years, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, now they got all the, all the internet. Yeah, TV I'm learning that. that. Yep. It's they a, have all those old shows. You can like binge watch Seinfeld for. Oh, that's crazy. A whole month. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're supposed to be talking about seeds and, and yes. growing herb. So right. We get a little off track um, sometimes. <laughs> So, yeah, then I just kind of shuffled on down to the courthouse and got myself a seed business license and, you know, just told them I was growing garden seeds. Sure. They are garden seeds. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people label them as bird seed even. Like when I ordered my first seeds from overseas, as crazy as it sounds. From the U.K. From the U.K. They came in a Lego box. Hey, man, Tape to the Legos, that. and it said on the customs paper, bird seed. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's right. fucking confusing as hell, because the customs officer is going to open that shit up and be like, like, this is neither. This is like, this is a toy mixed with a bird seed. <laughs> right, right. That's what, I, what we got at, too. And then Squint's here, you know, he got so excited with kidding him. He, he, he had he had to put the he had to put the Lego together. Yes, it was I a kit, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry to off track you again, but definitely. Um, so one of the questions I did want to ask you, that is genetic related and, and stuff and breeding related. We had a we had one of our readers ask us if you guys were gonna be doing more with the, and I, this isn't me. This is just what they want to know. This, they want to know if you're going to get more into the hemp side of things with some of the genetics this year. Well, you know, I, what we are going to do is re, um, sort of reinvigorate one of the strains that we actually took off the catalog the last couple of years, okay. which is the, um, we call it Sweet Annie, and it's, it's a half CBD, half THC variety. Um, and and I think that those people are going to really get back into that, or, or I don't even know if they anybody really had a chance to be into it in the first place. But because you know what really happened was, um, CBD got really popular, and people yeah. started thinking about CBD and learning about CBD. But but it was only popular, or it was you know people only really had the opportunity to experiment with it. If it was more, when it had no, yeah, if it had zero THC yeah, in it, right? Yeah. If it was just, and so, straight, and that was the thing with my father. I had, I had the chance to do, uh, my buddy had a cheese, had a cheese strain that was one to one CBD to THC, and it had papered out yeah. to about, it papered out to about 12% each. Um, and it yeah. was relatively nice, dude. And I personally feel like you can't have the full benefits of marijuana. Without having a mixture of CBD in it, it just doesn't work. Yeah, you gotta have your yeah, yang to I mean, your yang, dude. It, it if if it's off balance, it ain't gonna work. Right. I've never tried you know, it. No, and I don't. It's worth it, man. I, I'd give it a shot. It's worth it, and I don't know if you if if you can't have, and it just depends what the benefits are. Like I think that there's, you know, a, a place for all the different. There's a place for really high THC with with no CBD. There's a place for mixed ratios, and that there's a place for just CBD. But I think that you're right. I think that you get the biggest, fullest effect of the plant itself when you do have a little bit, at least a little bit of CBD in with all that THC. But, I mean, I really do think that you know, THC is the the magic, and sometimes CBD is kind of like the the grounding. Yeah, to the, definitely. Yes. 
you know, I don't know. It's like, it's important though. And you don't, yeah. I mean, I, in some respects, I agree that it's like, you can't, you can't learn everything about the plant unless you dive at least a little bit into the CBD world. And I think a lot of people are kind of discovering that, especially, you know, everybody always talks about, oh, CBD is kind of medicinal, but I think people are really learning that you actually do, it really does help to have some THC. Like the whole government banning, you know, making the THC limit so, so minute that you can't, it's like, there's almost, you know, there's basically for all intents and purposes, there's none in there. Right. And, and it kind of, I think, took away from, you know, everybody was super excited about CBD and then they rolled it out and, and you couldn't have THC at all. And so I don't think people really have even gotten to experience the full benefit of CBD because every time I've tried it, um, with some THC, it's like, I mean, especially for if, if you want something that's going to help you sleep better, Definitely. you know, if you're having, if you're mm-hmm. getting old or if you're sick, you know, if there's something that you just want to really be able to rest and not get woken up in pain or not get woken up from, um, discomfort or some way or another, right. Then, then the THC CBD combination is is amazing because it. I mean, yes. I've had that firsthand where I've like, and I'm, I I wasn't sick. I just, you know, smoked too much. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like I got, I was just knocked the knocked me the fuck out. Oh, and, we know about that. Trust yeah. me. Uh, yeah. yeah, twigs. Yeah, twigs. No, we're gonna we're gonna bust Twiggy out here for a second here. He's got a mouthful of ice, so we can we can we we can we can spit this out real quick. He he, he got a little high last time we did an episode. He got so high he he fell he passed out on the mic. <laughs> Nobody knows that. Oh, so. in, yeah. Into the mic. <laughs> into the mic. Like, legit nodded into the mic. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's learning his tolerances. I mean, he's new. But then, you know, like you say, for like medicinal uses and older people, my grandfather, before he passed away last year, yep. he went through uh, 47 treatments of chemotherapy for prostate, prostate cancer. And, um, Wow. Made it through remission and it came back, and he was yeah. using CBD to try to treat it. Yeah. And we he were trying to tell him about it. the THC side of things. He finally started getting into it. Well, I made him that too, but yeah. RSO, dude, and he tried that RSO about one time, and he told me that he didn't really like the way that. It made I think it was feel. too strong for him. Yeah, it really was. But definitely, yeah. you know. And uh, so, is there anything new, exciting, and humble happening that people just? don't know about that they should i mean is there anything i mean just to finish up just to like finish up that cannabinoid conversation like so we did a couple years back we bred we we helped a local tribe wow the yurok native american tribe to basically like build out a a hemp breeding program and because you know there it's federally legal so they were confident that it wasn't gonna you know get the tribal government in trouble or get the tribe in trouble um and so they wanted you know to get some benefit from from cannabis and and you know like the idea of of doing um cbd and so but we were kind of like well you're probably better you know better suited to do breeding because you know they they have don't have a ton of industrial ag land right so uh which is like what the hemp has gone to now is this basically sorry sorry to ask a question here but i i guess the first one to pop in my head is this all sun grown or is this do they do indoor with it or how i just out of curiosity i'm like how they're processing you know you can i mean so they basically just did breeding and and you can do breeding indoor or outdoor we did some of both okay in that situation um but they ended up it's you actually are it's a little safer to breed outdoor 
as far as accidentally having any pollen contamination because indoors the pollen can travel a lot like you have just a lot more of an opportunity to have an accidental uh okay pollination wow. just because of all the all the hvac and all of the just the fact that it's like you know an inside of a building it's it's pretty sealed so if you release a bomb like a essentially a, a male plant or a you know all the anthers releasing at once it's like a literal bomb of dust in the air and it's actually more likely that that's going to sort of bounce around the inside of a facility than it is going to stay in the natural environment because wow. when it's in nature there's like the airs you know moving and there's also like dew and things like that that sure. affect it but definitely but i've had i've had like indoor breeding projects where um we pollinated in a room and then three or four months later we were going to just do plain old flower in that room and not uh you know we didn't want to seed anything and there was still a good amount of pollen left in that room from wow. the four months earlier and we had cleaned the crap out of it and really tried our best but it's just super hard to get pollen out of ducting and out of you know the corners of a room just there's so many places for it to hide and it lasts a lot longer when it's protected inside of a of a building and it's you know room temperature not like you know out outdoors that every day it'll fluctuate and do and things like that so wow ironically it's it's harder to in a way it's harder to breed um and be confident of a hundred percent intentional pollination every time indoors it's harder to do it indoors than it is outdoors okay but we do both that's impressive definitely you know, a lot of that's new to me, so to learn a little bit about the knowledge of how it works is definitely very interesting. I'm very intrigued by it. I've always wanted to yeah. try breeding that, my own, but from what I'm told, you need thousands of seeds, and I guess from what I understand, there's a rating system to it that's based on generations, correct? Yeah, actually, you can go on our website. And you go in the learn section okay. and you can download, we've developed like this phenotype rating system and it's basically, I think it's kind of the short form, but the short form is plenty. Uh, so I believe there's somewhere around 15 to 20 different questions that you answer and it's all numeric. So it's like, wow, on a scale of one to 10 is the plant frosty on a scale of one to ten is the plant vigorous you know does it have this smell or what color you know we even have a a way of doing color from one to ten but anyway That's go on our website and download that because <clears throat> we've just made it so that anybody can use it and you can just download it and print a bunch of copies and then you know you each definitely sheet, you can you can phenotype 20 plants from each one sheet of paper and then that's that's kind of how we do it and then you know you sort of weight the different variables depending on what's super important to you and like obviously like test results is the last thing and we don't get those results of course until um the weed is dried and sent to the lab okay but most of the questions we're asking in the in the field and so you know, a lot of the time, like, we'll go through several hundred plants in a field and then really only choose 20 or 30 to, to lab test. And then okay. th those are like, the, <coughs> excuse me, the final things that we're filling out are the, you know, THC and, sure. and what the lab says, you know, for turpins and all those things. Definitely. but we're we definitely also like in over the years i'll tell you i love 
what the labs offer us, but I've also learned how important it is to just trust your own judgment and your own, like, you know, trust your nose, trust how, you know, it makes you feel, trust whether it just, like, is attractive to you. You know, like, there's even a chemistry thing. And if you're breeding, you can't breed for other people. All you can do is hope that other people share a common interest or a common, you know, like, yes. I don't know. Do you guys? Do you guys all think Halle Berry's hot? Yeah, she's all right. I'm. I mean, I think she's getting up there now. I don't know if I really right, like. Right, so she's getting old, but like yeah. in Catwoman, like let's. Oh say. yeah, de- de- definitely back <laughs> oh, then. Lord. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we I were... don't, see, I don't even know. That's like the only name of a supermodel that I know. So that just just came to my right. She's right. an actress. My wife's like she's an actress. All right, so that's the only like iconically hot girl that I could even think of. But anyway, I'm just kind of trying to make a point. <laughs> yeah, that, no, like, we're following. We're you know, picking like, up what you're putting down. Yeah, like in a lot of us share fairly similar things. And some things it's just subjective, you know, like yeah. at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be that strain that like I love and oh, remind me, it's it's not sticks. It's uh, what's the guy's name? Twigs. One of your Jay Jay Blaze or Twiggy. Twiggy, yes, Twiggy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jay Blaze is gonna love it. Twiggy's gonna hate it. You know what I mean? Kind yep, yep. Like me, I'm personally I'm a I'm a wedding cake uh, guy, and Twiggy yeah. he might like Girl Scout cookies. You don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. We all have our, our own personal preferences. Right. And the labs just they just can't tell us that, you know, and they shouldn't. But but they're doing a good job. And I'm not trying to negate the importance of like you know, Definitely. what we call chemotype analysis, but definitely the the phenotyping is more the human you know, how we like it as exactly. people. Exactly. And, and yep. To me that's that's kind of the most important thing. Well, when you're getting your fingers into it, it's a lot better than having some machine doing it. Definitely. Exactly. Now, here's a good yeah. question for you. What's your favorite form of growing? <laughs> Sorry, I blow my nose. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like, I started growing deep in the mountains of Humboldt County in bushes between tall trees so the helicopters couldn't see them right yeah and you was growing when then that gorilla growing taboo culture (laughs) then it then it evolved into yeah then it evolved into the backyard and in the days of proposition 215 you know i would always do a little bit of indoor growing but to me like i could never get enough or see enough plants to really have that be, you know, if, if it was a 10 lighter, you know, that was a feeling like I was pushing the limits of the law back then. So, (laughs) um, but eventually, you know, where we do our biggest, what we call sifts and that's, you know, say 30,000 plants like we were doing last summer, um, in a couple different places in California and, and out in Michigan, that that's where you end up finding, you know, the most, I mean, when I first started working with the geneticists and plant breeders from UC Davis, it was just like, you know, they're like, Oh, well, the way that you start breeding is you grow 10,000 plants. And that was in 2007 that we were, discussing that and i was like well that's never going to happen and lo and behold you know 2017 and we're starting to uh, plan to do a phenotype hunt in 2018 where we looked at 10,000 plants that's a lot (laughs) yeah and like on our website if you go back to that learn section the first video that comes up is that 
first giant pheno hunt that we did where we looked over 10,000 different plants and and when you start very, getting yeah go ahead i have a very quick question for you um when you personally are on a pheno hunt i i myself have breeded probably one or two strains myself i have my uh-huh. love star and my rock candy and i love those two but love it what is one of the main attributes that you go in for when you are pheno hunting for yourself or for Humboldt Seed Company? I mean, like I said, that that sheet that we have published on the website, you can download and it like it has all the different variables that that we consider, or maybe not all of them because it's a short form, but it's got most of them. And on any given pheno hunt, I might be like weighing one variable much more importantly than I'm weighing another. So and it depends too, like what, unfortunately, I can't just totally breed exactly what I like. I have right. to think about, you got to think you of know, the customer. What commercial, yeah. yeah. I got to think of what commercial farmers like, or I mean, not what even, not even anymore what they like. It's just like, what is happens to be trending. I was or just going to say market like, trend. Yep. Yeah. And like, we're setting trends as well. So Definitely. you do just you get to kind of dictate that, but. But, you know, like, at the end of the day, if, if THC in general, which, which it, it has been a really dominant uh, kind of variable or decision, you know, it's something that people decide whether or not they're going to, you know, whether you're a distributor in California or you're just a, a, a stoner who's at the dispensary. Right. Um, even though Even though I don't really agree with it, it is a huge factor of whether people, you know, want the weed or not. And we have, we've been growing a lot of weed here in the state. And, and it's important that if, if you're going to grow a bunch and you're trying to have a farm and run a business, it's important that people want the weed that you grow. Exactly. So, you know, basically like we have to make cannabis that tests really high on THC and, and we kind of really, really, you know, pushed the THC to one of the things that we weighted uh, gave the most weight to that. So, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that means I'm out there, you know, finding a plant that has incredible terpenes and I'm super excited about it. And it's in my, you know, I, I may pick like my top 10 that, have turpins and have the look and have you know the effect that i'm after but at the end of the day like if one of those like even if my very favorite of that top 10 just so happens to be one of the lowest testing in thc like unfortunately i may not end up moving forward with that one and and i hate that honestly i I wish that it wasn't like that because I feel like people are just getting fooled when they're actually going and shopping for cannabis based on its THC content because I just don't oh, really feel like that has any, anything to do with how you're going to feel. I mean, it, maybe it has a little bit to do with it. And that's like, even if the lab is, yes. don't get me wrong. Like I got, I got mad respect for all the lab technicians out Almost there. Definitely. There's, there's a lot of wonderful labs in cannabis. They're doing their best, but this is like a plant that it's not homogenous. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a, a bottle of beer where, you know, you sample the top of the bot, the glass of beer and in the liquid is the same as the liquid at the bottom of the glass of beer. It's just like, you know, it's a plant. It has all these different parts to it. You know, I know some lab technicians are told to like, you know, they take their five gram sample and the boss says, all right, well like pick all the bud off the stem and then put it in the, you know, grinder and grind it up. Other labs, they're like, just put the whole thing in there. They don't tell them to remove the steps. Just like that alone is like, you know, that's 5% T- 
it totally does. And right. and to be honest, I know for a fact that there are labs, unfortunately, that are, oh, yeah, are not being they're not being no. genuine with with the results. And I had and they're doing it because you know it's yeah. money. Yeah, exactly. I had a lab that I'm not going to say names. I had one of my strains sent in to get a review done. And they had yeah. called me and it was like, hey, if you send us this much, undisclosed amount, yeah. we'll bump these numbers up by 10%. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, no. Right. But no, you... you I mean, you, there's, there's all... All that kind of stuff is is rampant as something that was, and ironically, something that was really based on trust when it was in the black market and yes. based on community and based on relationships and respect. When it turns into something that's based on just strictly money and, you know, the free market capitalist, I mean, I, I'm... I'm not like a social communist or anything like that. I right. believe in, I believe in people being able to be rewarded for their hard work, but, but there's kind of like a runaway train scenario that seems to happen a lot when, and, and it just breeds corruption. And I don't, I'm not down with corruption because no. it doesn't do anybody any favors. It's just basically like, and that's, that's definitely happened. And, and you know, you got to play the game. So like we, just to be completely honest, like we have a list of labs that are known to give the highest results. And they're the labs that are making the most money and are growing in California. And there were a number of labs that were honestly, you know, high integrity, like didn't want to ever bend the results. And I watched them go out of business and it was really sad but, um, you know, I know some of the owners were just like, you know, they had already been running the lab since Prop 215 in California. So that's like, that was 1996. So wow. they had a good, they had a good 20, what is that, close to 25 year run. And um, I mean, maybe not, they weren't open all that time. But, you know, they had a good run. They made some money. They're probably ready to retire anyway. Like, I'll, just, I'll call it out, like CW Analytics. Those guys were our lab and tested for us for a long time, and, and I would talk it over with them. I'd be like, you know, it doesn't matter to us because we're only doing this testing just to compare breeding plant A to breeding plant B. Right, or, apple to oranges. You no, know, yeah, we're doing comparative analysis of these top ten choices that we were breeding in within a specific genetic, and I was just like, I don't care honestly like if it's a overinflated exaggerated result as long as it's an ac accurate result as a comparison to the other nine samples so right. i want that one that tested the highest to definitely be the one that tests the highest and exactly. i'm going to breed because that's the one i'm going to choose unfortunately um but you know that there's other labs that are really full of integrity that i that have kind of figured out ways to make it through. And, and I'll mention um, Santa Cruz or SC Labs is one that's been around forever. And they have figured out how to, um, you know, they, they really give a lot of real estate on their result sheets, you know, the certificate of analysis to the Turpin results. And they, they have these neat, what they call like FIDO facts or um, essentially what amounts to like, you know, how the turpins might interact when you're a consumer, what you might expect to get out of the turpins. And so really they're like, you know, yeah, the THC is this, but here's all this other amazing information that you should probably give as much um, deference or whatever you know you should probably look at this just as much as you might look at the THC so they're they're smart and they've done that and that's kept them like not only just alive but they're they're really growing and, and flourishing and kind of you know opening up new fields of, of research and just something that 
while I'm on this rant, like, even the Turpin thing, like, yes, I want to see people think more about Turpins and less just about the one, you know, chemical THC. You know, you don't walk into a liquor store and walk up to the counter and be like, hey, just give me the... Exactly. Shit. You know, like, I, I just I heard another show. <laughs> I just heard another <laughs> show on this. As a matter of fact, and it was the same thing. You know, they wish people would shop by terpenes instead of th percentage because you would get a lot of better flavors and stuff. Not only that. Well, that's. But I also feel like you should also shop by cannabinoid percentage too. Yeah, you should too. It's. Yeah. Everything, man. If everything doesn't have a good balance, terpene profile, cannabinoids, THC, CBD, it's because I've had things that are 30% THC and don't get me as stoned as 15% THC that has a really good cannabinoid content. Right. Yeah. No, and I, I exactly. So it's kind of like this balance of not negating the labs because you can't really smell the THC. So the labs are valuable for that. You know, yep. you can, I mean, back in the old days when buyers would come to Humboldt, they would, the, you know, the, every single time it'd be like the first thing you do is open the bag and stick your face in there. Definitely. And, and, and if it didn't, if it didn't just blow your mind, smell super fire, then, you know, they'd pass it on and didn't want it. So that was how we bred for years. It was all yep. bred turpins that was like everything and and it still is it's still incredibly important um and we still use our nose because honestly like turpins is only a little piece i mean maybe maybe 50 percent, but there's also the esters and the flavonoids and uh, all of these other chemical constituents that that do have an effect and you know, like, as an example, there was some research that just came out. Uh, they discovered a cannabis-specific flavonoid. They're calling it canaflavin, of course. And okay. they, they, like, early research, but, like, pretty, you know, pretty uh, convincing research shows that it, while it is incredibly like it's present in very, very low concentrations. It actually has milligram per milligram more uh, anti-inflammatory and like potential for pain relief yep. than uh, than salicylic acid, which is the really? main ingredient in, in aspirin. And so really? like salicylic acid, yeah. they discovered – in the 1800s because yep. it was white willow bark and yep. they would make Native this Americans. willow bark tea. Exactly. Yes. 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 They were making they willow bark tea it. and they, yep, exactly. Wow. And lo, lo and behold, this, this freaking wonder drug that I would guess everybody we're talking to, everybody listening has taken in their lives, uh, is made out of that, essentially that original willow bark, um, you know that's impressive. impressive well me myself i can't i can't even have any of that stuff i have alopecia areata um which a lot of people don't know that but you know my hair follicles fell out i have autoimmune disease and anything that is a, a anti-inflammatory actually does the opposite for my immune system it inflames it. oh weird that's yes crazy. So I can't take Tylenol, I can't take Advil, I can't take aspirin. It, 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 that's why THC and marijuana is my pain killer. It, it works amazing oh, for me. And my hair is coming back finally, I, thanks to it. I can't complain. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe, that, maybe I just need to smoke more. <laughs> you that, huh? You might. My hair might start growing back if I smoke more weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, my wife's laughing at me. But anyway, um, <laughs> is is that what alopecia? I I had a friend that had that. Years what it ago, does is that it. That's it, what um. It attacks. That's the what hair. Jada has too. Yep, right? yep, yep. Matter of fact, she yep. does. And it attacks yeah. uh, attacks the hair follicles and thinks it's a disease. And as it grows, it pushes yep. them out. 
And, it, and, and it, like I tell everybody, it's hard to explain, but imagine having a sunburn times 100, that burning sensation. Jesus. That's what Jesus. it feels like when my hair grows back. And then I sit there and rub it until they fall out. Oh, yeah, dude. I, because I catch you all the time. It, it, it burns. And there's nothing you can do for it. Uh, there's no cure. Uh, and th they have steroid shots they can put in your skull, but insurance don't cover it. So at $700 a shot multiple times throughout the month just to try to get your hair follicles to come back, it's not worth it. I've been using, you know, hemp oil shampoos for the past two years now. I finally cut mm. out, I fought, I'm, I'm lactose too, I found that out the hard way. Um, every year I determinedly somehow get a new allergic reaction to something. And, and, um, and dairy so happened to be just the past year. And uh, once I cut that out, my mm -hmm. hair started growing back. And uh, on top of using, you know, cannabis, I finally got my hair to grow back without using strong chemicals or anything like that. And it's amazing. Okay. Yeah, and it's actually starting to get its its um, pigment back. Because when my hair grows back, it grows back clear. You can't even see it. It's very, it's very odd, yeah, definitely. But that's a little bit about me on the, in a nutshell and some of my, my conditions I treat, you know. I just smoke green because I yeah. have cataracts. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Yeah, we all have our reasons. Well, that's the thing. You know, there's and there's so much. I think that there's so many different things that you know. And I wanted to go back to the breeding thing a little bit because really, just to boil it down, ninety-five percent of what we're out there looking for when we're pheno hunting is just what I like to call the dank. And there's oh, really man, no dude. better way to describe it. You know, it's just like we're out looking for the dankest buds. And oh yeah, and 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 the beauty of I think what will keep cannabis from ever, well, maybe not ever, but for uh, we still have plenty of time before we have to worry about the Monsantos and all those kind of, because they just don't know, they don't have any idea what dank is. They haven't been around the plant for right. years. You know, they may do some really good stuff with the chemo type stuff. You know, I know that some of the hemp breeders were able to just, very quickly isolate plants that had no THC at all and had, you know, pretty high levels of CBD. And that stuff's actually, you know, can be helpful. Um, but at the end of the day, like, there's a lot of us that just enjoy it because, you know, we want to smoke bomb weed. And, Definitely. Yeah. And so, right. so that's like what I think that's what's going to keep keep it all you know rootsy still and and more craft kind of more like in touch with with a more of a artistic side of it and a more craft side rather than just strictly you know let's plug some numbers into a, uh you know because we we do have i mean we've got like molecular breeding programs and oh, yeah. we utilize some of that stuff but we're not we know that that really is only going to be applicable so, you know, for specific traits or things that we might want to get out of a plant. Um, like a heavy yielding plant, say, you want that specific attribute. Uh, right. Well, yeah, you could look at yield. That certainly would be one that you can just kind of like put your finger on. There's no arguing, you right. know, if a plant's grown in the exact same environment and one yields more than the other then yeah yeah you know, there's Definitely. proof but but like if if the one that yielded more isn't as dank as the one you know, then it's gotta then, go you know, right then, yeah. then there's an argument so it's 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 just a lot more complex than i think right. you know even like the stuff that a lot of those groups have had their biggest successes with has been like soybeans and and sweet corn and and the the, the variables or the factors that you're going after are a lot easier to like, you know, chase. make into, yeah, to chase. Exactly. Like, cause you, yep. you know, yep. you want a soybean that has and everything else like that. It's just easier that way sometimes depending right. on everything. 
genes. And people have been breeding, it. you know, people have been breeding tomatoes for hundreds and hundreds of years, but like we just recently, you know, in the, from the 30s to the maybe even the 80s, we were almost strictly breeding them for just like what made the most money for the yeah. farmers and the distributors and the grocery store people. So what we ended yeah. up with that from doing that was we ended up with the shittiest tomato, you know, like you ain't lying. And like those, yeah. those mealy gross tomatoes that like, they look pretty on the outside, but when you slice them and oh, put them on your like salad, slime. it's just like, <laughs> it's so gross. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and now we're just spending time like undoing that. And thank God we realized before all the, the good heirlooms were totally lost. And I don't foresee that happening with cannabis because there's like so many people out there that are, you know, we've learned from those mistakes. And I think we we have the capacity to breed and build the cannabis industry smarter than we did other big ag industries and because it's once you build something up in a certain way it's hard to undo it right Um, it's harder to convince you know and that's one thing you know like we love uh we love indoor weed but you know there's there's something to be said for some really good organically grown oh, outdoor from the hills home. And there's something, I mean, if you guys want to look into it, if listeners want to really look into this, um, my friend Johnny Casali has a farm called Huckleberry Hills. Okay. And it's in Southern Humboldt. And check out his Instagram because he's been publishing studies about just all the diversity in especially in turpins that you get when when you're growing under natural sunlight and that can be like mixed light it can be you know greenhouses are great um but sometimes you just don't get the turps that you might get you know from indoor that you do get from outdoor sometimes right but, but we do all of it i mean we you know i i got indoor running right now so yeah we're getting we're getting close on ours on our small indoor setup i mean we're nothing huge but we're getting close we're we're uh hitting week five of flower almost and we'll see probably two pounds out of it we're gonna see a good amount on this grow for i'm an outdoor guy so it's been hard for me to to adjust to indoor and i've tried to I've tried to do it right the first time. This ain't my first indoor, but like to finally get it to where I can dial stuff in, start messing with temperature and humidity. I never really did a whole lot of that until I started being able to learn how to adjust it and what it needed. And I've learned a lot. Every grow, you learn something new. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I've learned is what's good for the, what's, what makes the plant grow quicker and and bigger and and greener doesn't always make the the flower better in the long run and i mean that was something i learned way back in the day when i was a gorilla grower out here in these hills in humboldt county i would hike five ten miles up into the wilderness basically and plant our you know our little hideaway yeah you know, I loved it. It was like amazing. It was definitely, you know, help me, help me stay in shape. And it was just this like little haven that we would went to, you know, and it was and your own everybody zen. Was doing it. Yep. It was my own zen. Yeah. And everybody was doing it. So it was like, you know, it wasn't as crazy as it might sound, you know, their listeners out there might be like, Oh, this guy sounds like he's crazy, <laughs> but it was just like, it was really common. And it was just kind of how people made a little, bit of side money i mean i was definitely, a fucking definitely i was a music teacher at the local elementary school while i was doing that and a fish biologist for either for the state really? or for non-profit. oh you got squints so attention you don't mention fishing anything fishing this and music <laughs> i think you got somebody here's attention 
Squincy's no, got talent in both. Now me, I was born with two left hands, two left feet, probably two <laughs> two left sides of the brain too. Music but hey, I'm here. You keep rhythm with. You can ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we did. Um, I ran the fisheries uh, restoration program on for the Salmon River Restoration Council here in Humboldt. We did some of the world's largest that restoration sweet, projects dude. for salmon. I did a genomic study that's got published eventually in Science Magazine and and the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences on the difference and in, in between a couple different runs of salmon that wow that live that's out here. Impressive. Well, one of them. The goal was to kind of protect this really really rare salmon, and I mean it was funny we 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 did it we. It, but it, there's a lot of politics involved Definitely. as well. So. Right, yeah. But that's impressive. Yeah, I don't you mind. Know, that, the efforts you put into it and the reward that came out of it, uh, you, you can't compare nothing to it. We're in the middle of trying to fight for our salmon right now too, man. Our our salmon runs are depleting themselves. And it's, it's depressing. I know we're a little bit off yeah. topic on it, man, but they're an amazing sport fish. I love hooking into a 30-pound tank and just watching them take off down river. Oh, it's unbelievable when you think the about you know nuts. the power yeah. is crazy it's like tying in I mean there's truck. a few <laughs> the United States has like I think four or five yeah, we rivers got that are we've got that are named that four or five rivers that are named Salmon River wow. <laughs> and and there's only like two of them still have any salmon left in them. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. That's but, crazy. Uh, yeah, like the one in Vermont is, doesn't have any salmon left. Oh, but, wow. um, you know, I, I always thought like, oh, man, it would be tragic not to be able to take my kids fishing or have exactly. them not be able to take their kids fishing. And it's, you know, so... When you start to see stuff like that, that just seems like so second nature, um, no there. but you know, it should be there and it shouldn't like when you start seeing stuff like that, just disappearing off the earth, it's like, okay, maybe it's time to start like, you ain't lying thinking though. about how we're doing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm trying, I've been trying lately, you know, just, I don't know. I've been doing a lot more outdoor stuff and I've, I've been thinking to myself, I'm like, Cause I do photography and I'm like, nice. I'm like, man, there's gotta be a way I can just get involved with something, kind of give back a little bit. You know, it makes you feel good to know that you're, yeah. you're contributing to what you're enjoying. I mean, and man, I, you know, as I get older too, it's like, I, it's, I mean, I used to kind of think that the politics of it was just like black and white, but it's not. Like, no right. I think everybody everybody has to. When you got something like that, where it's like, you know, fishing and hunting, and you can't do that anymore, that's where you kind of have people from all ends of the, you know, whatever political opinions you might have, you're you're going to be feeling that. When, exactly. But there's not, you know, you can't pass that on to your kids, and so you know. Definitely. It's not political. It's it's not political. It's just you know. Let's just figure out how we can not fuck up too exactly. much more. Yeah. Well, with everything being said, we don't want to take a, a whole lot more of your time tonight. Is there anything you want the audience to know about you or Humboldt before we conclude this episode? Well, you know, we put we put everything we can into the seeds. You know, we really do like. I mean, that's all we do is breed and. It, I got into it. We got deep enough into it where I mean, we even we had a flower line that we had in California when it first, you know, in 2018 when it was like the first year you could do recreational weed everywhere, dispensaries, and and I just quickly was just like, you know what, this is detracting from what we want to do, and everybody agreed on on our team, you know, like my business partner Ben. We were all just like, you know what? We just like, we like making genetics and breeding, and we like making seeds too. In specific, I mean, there's a lot of genetics companies out there, 
that are making great, you know, you, you can get a pack of seeds and you might find like that one fire winner out of it. Sure. But, but what we're trying to do is make it so that you can plant. And when we have, we've like try anybody try our, say like our classic blueberry muffin strain. I guarantee that every single one of those plants in that pack of seeds is going to smell just like a blueberry muffin. It's, it's crazy. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so, so we're breeding stuff that essentially like we can describe it on, on the seed pack and it's going to come out like that. That's and impressive. I, I kind of think that's how it should be. Blueberry muffin with how much you've been talking about that blueberry muffin, man. I think of a new, and I mean, we can like do that, package, man. Like pheno hunting is fun and we'll, we oh, yeah. put out pheno hunt lines too. We, a lot of time, like when we're, when we're doing something that's just like, you know, this clone times that clone or this strain times that strain. To, to me, that's just something that you should just give away. And that's what we tend to do. We'll like, you know, send freebies around or whatever, and people can try them. And if they find one, uh, that's amazing. And, you know, maybe that's, they can form that into a strain uh, by, you know, really making it so that, you know, every litter of puppies comes out with those traits but you know with cannabis it's different because you can just have that one mutt that you found and you can clone it and clone it and clone it but what we saw in cali was that like eventually you know that leads to viruses that leads to pest infestations and and the genetic like even if you we did we were doing a bunch of tissue culture back in 2016 and 17 and even, you know, restoring something from Maristep, it was still, you know, it would suffer until wow. you just, re- until you renewed its its life just through, all you have to do is just have another generation. And, and that's like the best, that's nature's tissue culture. Like there's no way to cl- get rid of that hoplate. I mean, you can, you can do, meristematic tissue culture and do hot cold cycling for and, and you're 25% of the of the explants that you get out of that TC will be free of the virus wow but that's you know you're talking about like a 3 or 4 month process it's like it's not worth crazy. the time yeah like it's crazy and I, and I was always just like god in 3 or 4 months I could be like halfway through i could have a generation and then halfway through another generation just about and it usually takes us like only five generations to get something so it's breeding pretty true and um but now i'm getting into the really technical world of of what i what we do (laughs) yeah it's impressive i'm blown away already but we really i mean (laughs) at the end of the day we're we're really just out here hunting for fire we're just yeah. trying to discover new fire and and then we feel like it's our work to make that fire so that every time somebody pops a seed it's that like, fire it's just dead. yeah they don't have to <laughs> don't have to hunt and like you know have a bunch of different things and we're not perfect like we we still haven't gotten there all with especially with some of the new stuff that we put out and we'll admit that we'll be like you know Oh, we just kind of just put this one out because we were so pumped about it. It's going to have some variation, but, but it'll, you know, we, we always are at least back crossing usually at least three times. Yeah. Twiggy's growing one right now. I want to say it's, it's been crossed four different times. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Or something like that. Ace of spades mixed. Ace of spades for Ambe's ghost. Garlic butter and ah, come on, one more. I, I used to. Have you used to have it right on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. It's no, from Sofem <laughs> Genetics, another genetic company that, but um. Nice. They uh yeah they did like I don't know what I don't know about all the breeding terms and everything but basically I know there's four different strains involved in. Whatever they did with it, uh, uh, the plant's looking pretty good. But it's definitely new to me, I, you know. I so. was just saying, that was one of their tester seeds they sent out to us. Yep. Yeah. 
Well, like you, you could find the fucking next greatest strain ever. Cause I mean, that's, that's the beauty of there's like goods and there's positives and negatives to all of it. I think in the, at the end of the day, you know, people will want to be able to just grow something and, and know how it's going to, you know, they, well, they also want to be able to repeat the experiment. So if they exactly. like, had the, if they had the best, they grew a plant and it was like that, that was their favorite strain ever. They're going to want to be able to do that again. And so that's like where having consistency in your seed, you know, is important because otherwise it's like you you know that's lost forever but yeah um, it's like it's like you got that taste and it's gone yeah yeah but it's also really fun to you know discover new things too and so we're out we are always always kind of putting out stuff that that will be new and have some new hot definitely definitely all right well with that being said we're going to let you off the line tonight. We appreciate your time and your knowledge and everything you gave to the Organically Blunt show tonight. And with that being said, thank you for your time. Absolutely, you guys. Have a wonderful Keep night. Keep it real out there. Definitely. Absolutely. Stay lit. Stay blessed. Have a good night. All right. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. With that being said, that was Nat from the Humboldt Seed Company. And we are going to conclude this episode. Y'all have a great weekend. Stay lit, stay lifted, and stay blessed. We out. Peace. You've been listening to The Organically Blunt Show. Raw, uncut, and unfiltered. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Organically Blunt is available where you listen to podcasts. Apple, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Anchor.fm, Spotify, and YouTube. Be sure to tell a friend or two. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram at organicallyblunt or email us at organicallyblunt at gmail.com. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time on the Organically Blunt Show.